Welcome to the Atem Podcast. My name is Andrew Clark, and this is the place to be to catch up on what you missed at the 2021 edition of the online 24 Hours of Atem. So, for this eighth episode, we will cover solving the Cloud DBR challenge. So let's start the engines. Welcome everybody to another session on 24 Hours of Atem. This one is Make Streaming Successful, Solving the Cloud DVR Challenges. Certainly uh, a popular topic out there as there's so much content that is uh, available and everybody at home wanting to watch uh, all these great series and content that's out there. Uh, so it's been a problem that uh, and challenges uh, to address these. So real quick for anybody that's new is uh, everybody is muted here on our Zoom conference. Um, and we've turned uh, chat off, but Q&A is open, so please uh, collect your Q&A in there, and uh, uh, we'll move from there. Like I said, a lot has changed here in the uh, video services world. Uh, there's a strong link, obviously, between cloud DVR and storage, just with the volume of content that's out there, um, and just the ability of people wanting to have so many controls of catch up, move it back, repeat, etc. So today we're going to look a little bit out that and uh, try to talk about how we can deliver a highly available, scalable, and high-performing uh, cloud DVR uh, for our customers. So let me introduce the uh, that's the agenda. Let me introduce the speakers for today. Uh, we're for, fortunate we've got uh, Wally McDermott from Scality. Scality. <laughs> <laughs> Mouth's a little dry here, I apologize. Wally is the VP of Strategic Alliances at Scality. Um, Scality is one of the world leaders in object and cloud storage. Wally has spent his career in customer and partner facing roles for companies in the systems management, virtualization, storage, and cloud markets. Uh, he's located in San Francisco and he's responsible for the company's hardware, cloud, and ISV alliances. And one of our, my colleagues with us is uh, Alexandra Arnodin. Uh, Alex is the VP of Delivery Solutions uh, at uh, ATEM. Uh, Alex came over and uh, joined the ATEM family when we merged with Anivia a little less than a, a year ago. Um, at Anivia for 10 years, he mostly took care of sales engineering worldwide and focused on OTT video delivery solutions. Cloud DVR has been a hot topic uh, on his plate for a while. Uh, so he's got a lot of knowledge and experience uh, with our customers to share. So with that, I'm gonna jump into the presentation. I think because uh, I'm gonna move the slides for everybody as we've had a little bit of technical difficulty. So just remind yeah. me and off we are. Thank you, Andy. So I'm going to start uh, with a quick introduction and, uh, and uh, going back a bit in history uh, before uh, talking about uh, more specifically about Cloud DVR. So uh, I guess um, some of you at least remember that time, maybe not all of you, depending on the, on the attendees. Uh, well, we, we started to record video content when this uh, beauty came out, the VHS uh, tapes um, back in the, in, the, in the 80s and actually up to the, the end of the 90s. Um, and this was actually what triggered the, the, the capability for the end user, and I would say the, the willingness for the end users to record video content that were broadcasted on, uh, on live channels. 
uh, it was also so it's it's kind of the the origin of uh, DVR concept of, of video recording concept. Uh, actually, it's also the origin of VOD. So today we speak about cloud DVR, but VOD was also the, the roots of VOD were actually uh, tapes for, for, on which you were watching your favorite movies that you could rent out from a video store. So today this is SVOD and the, the, the tapes you were recording is the equivalent of cloud DVR. So that was, let's say, the first step. Uh, and it was actually very popular in many countries. So if we go to the next slide, uh, Andy, yeah, thank you. So after the tapes that were actually not digital, but uh, analog tapes, we started to go more in digital video recording. Uh, one of the first uh, machine that enabled such digital video recording was actually the, the Philips box uh, with a TiVo solution embedded, where you could actually record your favorite TV shows on a hard drive in this kind of box. And at the beginning, so the, the, the end users, the end customers, were also uh, purchasing the box, were potentially subscribing to a package allowing to do such kind of, uh, of recording. Uh, but the main difference is that it was digital video, the quality was much better. And instead of recording on a removable media, I would say you were recording on hard drives embedded in the box. And from this uh, first, let's say, um, TiVo solution, we actually uh, moved to the, the MVPDs and the operators implementing in their own set-top box the set-top box they put in the home of the end users, such hard drives in order to, to enable uh, DVR, I mean, uh, digital video recording, so end user could record the content. And these boxes were actually rented, were part of the subscription package you could get from your uh, DTH provider, or MVPD, or, or, or operator. So this was, um, well, this was uh, disappeared uh, at the early, early stage of 2000, I mean, 1999. And uh, actually, it's still uh, active today. You still have a lot of boxes with DVR embedded. So if we go to the next slide. However, uh, so what happened is that the, the MVPDs and the operators uh, noticed that there was a, a significant cost from these um, boxes with, uh, with embedded DVR. Uh, so first, the cost was that, was that the, the hard drives were delivered and actually included in the box no matter the users is actually recording or, or not. So you had a lot of hard drives that were potentially not used, but that were included in the price of the box. And then you also had a, an extra cost coming from the fact that it was impacting the reliability of the set-top box. So the, there was the cost of the hard drive itself, obviously, but also the cost of maintenance. So what uh, appeared on the, on the market was the, 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 the beginning of the ability to record, instead of recording, I mean, allowing the end users to record in their set-top box, the idea was they, that they could record in the cloud, so record in the network. So it's what, what was called at this time RSDVR, so it's Remote Storage DVR. And the, the, the first company to implement that in the US was Cablevision um, in 2006. I mean, actually, the solution was ready, the technical solution was ready in 2006, relying on, let's say, uh, IPTV standards and, and, and um, IPTV uh, nonlinear service protocols, or TSP and so on. But they faced one issue, which was more a legal issue, and I, I will come back on that later, which, which, uh, which uh, prevented them from launching the service right away. And actually, the first, uh, the first launch was more in 2010. So this was great uh, for the end users because it was bringing many benefits uh, in terms of uh, easiness of recording and not having to depend on the hard drive in the box. There were also some benefits for the operators, and I will come back on that. 
Um, but there was one uh, limitation, I would say, is that it was working only on a single uh, set of box on a single screen, which is on the main TV screen, uh, considering that at that time, multi-screen was not necessarily popular. So if we go to the next slide, Andy. Uh, so from that, however, it was paving the ground, I would say, for cloud DVR services. And uh, we ended up with what we have today and what many of our customers at ATEM have today, which is a fully multi-screen cloud DVR service, which enable to record your favorite TV shows on, uh, well, from any kind of device and watch it on any kind of device everything be, being still stored in the well in the cloud so here we are talking more about private cloud we'll come back also on the aspect of public cloud later in the in the discussion with wally with uh, from, from scality um, but indeed um, it's it's a cloud service in the sense that from the end user point of view from the subscriber point of view when they record the content they record that in the cloud of the operator so let's move to the next slide so back to this uh, cable vision story, um, we have uh, two, uh, well, two, actually there are several ways to implement recording in the cloud, cloud DVR. Um, technically speaking, the most efficient way, and I will come back on that, is to have what is called shared copy. That means you record, I mean, the operator will record one copy, and this copy will be made available to all the users that actually recorded this TV show. This is actually what has been deployed in, I would say, almost all countries around the world, except North America, US, and Canada. And the reason why in US and Canada, it's a, a different system, it's what is called private copy, where we are supposed to have one physical uh, recording, one physical copy on the storage for each user, even if the content is the same and we are talking about the same shows. And the reason of that is actually the cable vision ruling that happened in, in 2008, where uh, the, 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 the court said, okay, you can implement cloud DVR and well, there was an agreement somehow with the content owners, as long as the way it behaves in the cloud is exactly the way it would behave in the set-top box. That means you would, if everyone would record his own show on his own set-top box, he would have a dedicated storage and a different storage, different physical storage. So the idea was to somehow replicate or, or, or copy paste this, this, um, this use case, but in the cloud. So it's like everyone has his own little hard drive in the cloud. Now, uh, this was back in 2008. Uh, so it was implemented in 2010. Uh, uh, well, a lot of things have, has changed. Uh, the, the, I mean, the legal restriction in North America is, is somehow still there. But there are also a lot of, uh, let's say, uh, intermediate uh, scenario. So you have scenario like, uh, like uh, what is called more hybrid private, where you will actually keep a physical copy per user, but you will stream from the same copy to all the users, because you have to keep in mind that it's not only about origin server, about storage, uh, I mean, scalability, but there is also an impact on the CDN, because when you are doing strict private copy, you cannot cache the assets on the CDN. So it has a huge impact on the delivery traffic on your CDN. So this can be some, some optimization. And you have some also what we call virtual private copy, where basically you have actually one asset per user, but at the storage level or at the, the, yeah, the storage level, somehow you optimize in order to have some kind of deduplication where you keep the, 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 the I mean, you, you record the content only once, but actually, you can still list and identify a unique asset per user, but let's say you reduce and you optimize 
on the storage side. So that's the different uh, possible implementation. Uh, this is obviously, uh, the, 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 I think, the, one of the main reasons uh, other countries than uh, North America went for uh, shared copy. It's because the cost of, I mean, the impact of private copy is pretty huge in terms of cost of storage. So it, it, it didn't, I mean, the, 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 the business model was not flying. So that's why many copy, uh, many countries, sorry, prefer to have some, uh, to modify the regulation or to have some agreements between content owners and uh, um, service providers and MVPDs and so on, in order to uh, make sure that a shared copy can be uh, implemented. So next slide. So if we talk, if we are back to summarize uh, what are the benefits of uh, Cloud DVR, uh, well, from a subscriber point of view, obviously it's an expected service. So this is not necessarily the case in all the countries uh, around the world. Uh, I think it's mostly in the countries where there are somehow a habit of recording content. So definitely North America, there was this habit of using DVR. I think many countries in Latin America, uh, there are some countries, for example, in Asia, where it was, I mean, the people were not necessarily used to that, to, to record the content. So it, it depends on the countries, but in, in many cases where you have actually a DVR uh, service in place, that means a set-top box with a, a disk inside, when this disk is removed from the set-top box, the end user will expect to have the same kind of service, even if there is no more disk in the set-top box. The second aspect is that, uh, well, it's, it's uh, the, the benefit for the end user is that, as I was explaining before, you can record from one device and watch on another device. So you are recording your content on your TV. You can watch it on your iPad when, when you're on the way, when you're uh, on, on your mobile, when you're out of home. So it's really the, the, the idea of sharing the recordings between the screens. And the last aspect is that um, it's much more flexible for the end user to expand storage. That means that when before you had a hard disk in the set-top box limited to, I don't know, like uh, 200 gigs, when you were reaching the limit, you had to erase the content. And sometimes it's a well, difficult choice to know which movie you want to keep, which one you want to erase. With Cloud DVR, it's pretty easy for the subscriber to add some, to buy some more storage as part of the package. And this is actually also a benefit from the, for the operator, so for the MVPDs and the service providers, in the sense that it will be a way to increase the, the output per user because you can sell additional storage. We are all using uh, cloud storage services. I don't know, like Dropbox or, or, or iCloud or whatever. And uh, we all reach the stage at some point of time where it's full and we have the choice between cleaning up and buying more storage. And very often, not, not everybody, but many of us will actually tend to buy more storage. So it's exactly the same here. So it, it's an, e an easy buy, I would say, for the end users. And it's, it's generating, it's increasing the output for the, for the, for the, the MVPDs. Um, another benefit is, um, is, uh, well, is, is to drive down the cost, what I was mentioning before, versus PVR. So it's driving down the cost of operation, I would say, the cost of set-top box, the cost of maintenance. What, what the studies estimate is that it's about 30% reduction in terms of cost compared to uh, class classical PVR. Uh, it's also increasing the user's retention because when the users have actually a catalog of DOD assets, they will tend to stay with the same uh, service provider because they don't want to lose their catalog that they built over time. 
in the same way, I would say that for, for maybe um, uh, streaming services on music, you build your hundred of playlists on a given service. If you switch to another one, well, it's, 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 you can rebuild this playlist, but it's a bit painful. So here it's, it's exactly the same. It's increasing the, the, let's say the fidelity of the customer. And the last aspect, still related somehow to the, 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 the monetization, is that you are uh, able to, uh, with ad insertion, dynamic ad insertion or ad replacement technologies in OTT, you are able to actually replace the original advertising by uh, target advertising for the, the recorded content after your C3 or C7 window, depending on the, on the regulations. So uh, this is also a way potentially to, to monetize your Cloud DVR content. So these, all these are some uh, well, simple benefits that are also encouraging uh, uh, service providers to move to these cloud, cloud DVR uh, services. So let's go to the next slide. So uh, all this is very nice. It's a very nice service for the end users. It's a, it's a very, I mean, lot of benefits also for the operators, but there is a, a strong uh, consequence and strong consequences on storage. And as, as introduced by Andy, uh, it's a great service, but you need to have a lot of storage behind because as you all know, video takes a bit of space on storage. And the more, I mean, if you talk about lifetime shift, catch up, it's still reasonable amount of video of storage. It represents like terabytes, potentially hundreds of terabytes. When you, you start to talk about a big VOD catalog where you are reaching potentially the petabyte level, when you are talking about Cloud DVR, we are very often over the petabyte, and it's, I would say, between tens of petabytes for shared copy approach to up, up to hundreds of petabytes for private copy approach, depending how, how private it is, how strictly private it is. But in any case, you really need to have a scalable solution for the storage, and, and that's extremely important. So, I mean, it's a criteria of success. So if we move to the next slide, uh, so let's um, continue a bit explaining uh, what is the ATEM background on the cloud DVR market. So next slide, Andy. So uh, the, the reason we talk about cloud DVR today is also because ATEM, and I would say Anivia, which is now 100% part of ATEM, has been uh, focusing on cloud DVR for many years, for more than 10 years, actually. So we started back in 2010 with IPTV-based cloud DVR technology, so based on RTSP technologies for, for streaming. It was dedicate, I mean, dedicated on the TV screen set-top box environment. Then we moved to OTT-based cloud DVR. So, uh, I, I, I mean, Anivia Atem was uh, focusing already uh, from the early uh, 2010s uh, on, the, on the OTT streaming technology. So in a natural way, we decided to implement what we did in IPTV on the OTT environment. At that time, we had, let's say, a classical architecture with origin server with attached storage. <clears throat> we, we deployed that in several accounts and we faced some limitation in terms of performance for the origin server. So we decided to uh, implement a scale out cluster architecture on the origin. And I, I will come back on that later with more details in 2015 <coughs> and then <coughs> sorry and then we we decided to implement uh, a distributed storage technology to overcome some uh, storage streaming capacity uh, limitations that we faced uh, because of the specific cloud dvr use case and i will come back on that also more in details and the last uh, evolution is uh, last year is to implement what we call the multi-tier multi storage which is a 
the, the best of both worlds between the performance you get with EDS technology and the scalability you need with uh, you need for uh, let's say extended cloud diverse services. So these all these uh, technologies have been deployed in uh, many countries. These are some accounts that we we, we are allowed to mention, um, but it's it's a field proven technology. So if we go to next slide, Andy. Uh, I take here one example of one of our deployments, and I take this one not necessarily because it's the biggest one, but probably because it's the oldest one. This company, so it's, it's called NetPlus, it's based in Switzerland. It's a group, it's actually a mutualized platform between, a, between several uh, small cable operators uh, across Switzerland. And this platform um, decided to implement CloudDVR back in 2011. So they were one of the first, one of our first customers to do that based on IPTV technology. And uh, the, one of the reasons is that the Swiss market uh, very early uh, made, I mean, established some uh, regulation for to allow cloud DVR with, uh, let's say, a revenue sharing between uh, the operators and the content providers. So there was no real uh, restriction on that side. And we, we launched with them cloud DVR based on IPTV. Then a few years later, uh, they migrated this IPTV-based cloud DVR service to a multi-screen service, so OTT technology, relying on, uh, on, uh, on uh, Anevia technology. Um, we also implemented uh, um, with them, so every time we somehow answer to some of their challenge, but we, we, they also had one challenge that when they started to have many users, a lot of recordings for these users, uh, they, they were responsible for the recording. So at no point they can afford to lose the recordings of the user. So in order to increase the security and the, the availability of these recordings, they implemented actually a dual site architecture in order to fully secure the content. And then the last uh, piece that they wanted to implement and that we helped them to solve together actually with our partner uh, Skynity, and, and I will hand over to Wally in the, in the next slide. Um, it, uh, I mean, allow this customer to actually enable a lifelong archiving offer as part of their cloud DVR uh, service. And, and the last uh, comment on this account is that the, the big one you see in the middle of the screen is actually the, the they, they are considered as the best TV service available in Switzerland. And actually they had this award many years on a row. I think this one is from last year, uh, but they, they have a really a very good quality of service from the subscriber point of view. So that's the introduction regarding uh, ATEM background in Cloud DVR. And now I hand over to Wally, so you can introduce a bit more about Scality, uh, about the company, and about your um, how you can help us to uh, scale up this uh, storage uh, in, in, a, in a Cloud DVR environment. Perfect. Thank you, Alex. Um, hi, everybody, and thank you, ATEM, for the opportunity to be here today. Alex, I love your slide with the green bar that goes up and to the right, because that's absolutely the world in which Scality lives. Uh, so if you can go to the next slide, I'll tell the audience a little bit about Scality, the company. So we were founded in 2010 based out of uh, Paris. Uh, headquarters is now in San Francisco, California. We are a scale-out storage software provider. Um, we have worldwide customers, both in the enterprise and the service provider space. We actually, the original founders of Scality came from a company focused on the service provider market. So that's a big part of our DNA and many of our early customers uh, are service provider um, partners and customers. And the way we go to market, the way we sell and partner with our customers is we actually sell through some of the big platform providers, HPE, Cisco, Short Micro, and Lenovo are all able to sell and support our software. Go to the next slide, talk a little bit about industry recognition. Um, 
I know every, everybody doesn't always pay attention to what the analysts say, but if you do uh, need to talk to Gartner or IDC, uh, Scality has been a leader for five consecutive uh, years in the upper right-hand quadrant of the Gartner Magic Quadrant for distributed file and object storage. A couple of years ago, Gartner did a critical capabilities report um, for object storage and Scality was a leader. And then last but not least, we've been a leader in the IDC marketscape uh, every year since it's been published. And a great segue, I have two slides to talk about some of our customers. Many of you in Europe may be familiar with a company called Dailymotion. Um, some others around the world may not be. It's essentially a somewhat smaller version of YouTube. So they provide um, a, a service that allows customers to upload and download videos or, or watch, watch videos. They've been a Scality customer since 2014. They actually started with only a few hundred terabytes in their initial deployment, but they've grown, as you can see in the middle of the slide here, to just about 32 petabytes. And in that time and in that expansion, they've never had any downtime. And that's really important as you think about delivering cloud DVR services or other cloud services to your customers is consumers don't like their applications to not be available. <laughs> so you want a storage platform that allows you to expand, um, and I'll talk more about what that, that looks like, without taking the storage or the application offline. Go to the next slide, we'll talk about another service provider customer, SNF, uh, which is a uh, telecommunica telecommunication company based in France. Uh, I love the requirements on the left-hand side of this slide. They needed flexibility, availability, and scalability. Um, they're currently running a little over 15 and a half petabytes of storage. And the third-party applications you see listed at the bottom of the slide, I'll talk more about this when I cover the product in, in, in a few more minutes. But a single scality implementation can support any number of workloads simultaneously. So if you choose to deploy your scality ring, which is the name of our product, uh, with the Atem product for cloud DVR, and then six, six months later, you have another workload like big data or a backup or a, you know, some other service you want to offer your consumers, you can use that existing scality platform to deliver, deliver the same services. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about that when I talk about the, 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 the product. And again, you can see at the bottom of the achievement section, seven by 24 by 365 uptime because availability and scalability, scalability are, are key to cloud services. And with that, I think I pass the baton back to you, Alex, for a bit. Okay, thank you. So, so I, I gave a, a brief introduction regarding, uh, let's say, our background and history around cloud DVR implementation and, and technologies. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig a bit more in details on some of the key aspects, key features that are uh, required uh, uh, for, for a successful cloud DVR implementation. So Andy, we can go to next slide. So the first one, uh, well, is something that I guess uh, all of you know, but it's even more important in cloud DVR environment. It's, it's the just-in-time packaging capabilities. So the just-in-time packaging, as a reminder, is that we will actually uh, get some live content or some, uh, well, in the, in the case of Cloud DVR, live content that we will record. And this, uh, recordi this recording will be done actually in a pivot format, so in a, in a reference format, let's say, from which we are able to repackage the content and encrypt the content before delivery in any of the protocols available uh, on a multi-screen environment, so HLS, Dash, 
to some extent, smooth streaming, even if it's kind of uh, losing ground. Um, so why uh, this is uh, extremely important? It's because uh, what was done at some point of time before is that you were actually recording separately the different protocols, and you had to multiply the amount of storage you need by the number of protocols. So as we're, as we're seeing before, already, I mean, in, in the diagram we saw before with the, the, the arrow growing over time, uh, I mean, over, over the, depending on the type of service, this was including just-in-time packaging. Without it, we would be talking about uh, multiple hundreds of petabytes. So it, it's, it's not possible to do without it for this kind of service. Um, it's also a way to make your platform future-proof because as you know, the OTT streaming protocols are changing very fast. They are evolving very fast. This is coming, uh, I would say, more from the IT pace than from the broadcast pace. Uh, and you have a new version of the format. Every time you have a new range of phone or a new range of device that is released. So basically every six months maybe, or uh, every year for every protocol. So you, you have some evolution every few months. So if your whole catalog of assets that have been recorded over the past, let's say two years, need to be reprocessed every time there is a new protocol, uh, it, it, it's gonna be painful. So the, the, the interest of just-in-time packaging is that even the content that have been recorded two or three, or, or, or we have some customers that have content that have been recorded like five or six years ago, they can still deliver it today to the devices that you are, we are using today with the protocol that are supported by these devices, just by configuration at the packager level without touching any of the recordings on the storage. So that's extremely important. The, the other aspect is that um, it's important for quality of experience because the packager and the packaging function will enable some features such as uh, low latency. So when you want to have OTT streams are somehow aligned on, uh, this is more for live actually, but aligned on the, on the live streams. Trick plays, subnails effect, you know, when you are scrolling over an asset, uh, manage multiple languages is a way for audio sub subtitles. So that's a, another important aspect. And, and the last aspect is all kind of, uh, let's say, uh, what we call the chunk sharing capabilities, which means that uh, on OTT, you will have different manifests for different protocols. Uh, but this will actually point to the same media chunks on the CDN. So that means you deliver the media chunks and the, the video content in CIMA format only once on the CDN. And then for the different devices and different uh, users, potentially, you will have a customized manifest, but with the same media content. So that's, that's uh, also a source of uh, savings on the CDN traffic. Um, one, one aspect also is that uh, it is at the, the origin packager that we can also uh, enable somehow add insertion. I was mentioning add insertion before as a, as a, um, a possibility to monetize your cloud DVR service. So you need uh, to, to process, I mean, to what we call uh, do manifest conditioning. So to prepare the manifest, so the manifest manipulator or the end user device can then know where are the advertising slots and how it can be uh, replaced or modified. So that's also part of the job of the, the, the just-in-time packager. So, well, this is a technology we implemented back in 2010-11, as I was mentioning, uh, with one of our early customers, which is Canal Plus, which was one of the first in, uh, in, in France and in Europe to launch uh, fully OTT service to migrate their customers from actually uh, DTH to OTT. So that's for the just-in-time packaging. If we can move to the next slide. Um, the, the, the second aspect uh, is 
I mean, we, without necessarily uh, talking in details about the, the way we, we bufferize the content, is really to optimize the recording uh, mechanism uh, for cloud DVR application. So there are different uh, aspects on that. Uh, the first aspect is to uh, what to use what we call uh, what what we call infinite buffer, which is actually a segmented buffer that can last very long. So this is obviously a, a shared copy approach. Okay. Uh, I, I will explain a bit later for the private copy. But the, the, the shared copy approach, you have uh, potentially, as I say, a very long buffer, can last one year, two years, uh, five years if you want. You have a first part of the buffer where you record actually 100% of your live channel. So no matter the users are recording or not the content, we record everything, for example, during 24 hours. And then at the end of this first window, up to the end of what we call the maximum retention time, which is the total maximum duration of your um, buffer, we will keep only the pieces of the buffer that have been recorded by at least one user. And then on these pieces, we are able to build virtual assets. So that's, that's the virtual private copy where each asset is unique per user, but pointing to the same segments in the buffer. So that's a way to really uh, first save some storage because obviously you cannot record 100% of the content for two years. Uh, the, the other thing is that you record only once, no matter you have multiple users with different assets, with different start time and stop time, we record only once. Uh, it's just a, somehow a mapping, on a, so it's a kind of virtual uh, database. Uh, and then um, it, it allows also to write only once. So we are back to the storage aspect uh, having to do extraction of the content from uh, a shorter buffer and make some copies by extracting the content and making copies from this buffer is something that we can do. It's the way we were doing at the beginning. We have also implemented that, but this has a huge impact on the storage because that means you need every time you copy an asset, I mean, you extract the asset, you need to copy it and potentially replicate it uh, multiple times. It will impact the storage performance. So. It is possible when, when it's uh, required, I would say, but it's not necessarily the most efficient. So, and, and when you are allowed to do some kind of a shared copy or hybrid uh, or, or, or virtual, sorry, uh, private copy, uh, the most efficient way is, is not to do such kind of extraction. Um, the, the other aspect is that um, it will allow also the end users to watch while they record. So it's very uh, easy to, to have all services implemented. I mean, not only Cloud DVR, but also TimeShift TV catch up TV, uh, start over and so on. Uh, as I mentioned, so we, we can reduce the stress on, on the storage and, and, um, and we can actually handle with, with uh, this mechanism, as I mentioned, all the different use case from strict private copy by doing, uh, I mean, strict extraction of the content in all profiles and so on to some extraction in the limited number, limited subset of profiles. So for example, you could archive only one or two profiles for a given copy for user or uh, 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 virtual uh, private copy, as I mentioned, with only one recording uh, with, from a storage point of view, but different uh, virtual assets based on that. So that's the second aspect, which is uh, quite important, is, uh, is really a recording uh, algorithm optimization. So if we go to the next slide, Andy. The, the next one is also uh, something we implemented uh, at, at the later stage, uh, which was, uh, well, there are two aspects here. First is what I was mentioning, what we implemented in 2015 with um, scale-out architecture. So instead of having uh, servers in line, I would say one plus one servers attached to an external storage, for example, to a NAS or, or, 
uh, any kind of external storage. Um, we, we saw some uh, performance issue for uh, the cloud DVR content that is that has been recorded not too long time ago because it's what we consider, let's say, as hot content because the people recording cloud DVR usually they tend to watch it soon after they recorded it. So we had uh, um, the need to have a, a, um, an architecture where the origin server is able to stream a lot of nonlinear content at the same time, all these recordings at the same time, and also easy to scale in terms of streaming capacity of the origin server. So that's why we implemented this kind of, actually I could say ring architecture because it's very similar to the, the, the concept implemented by uh, Scality. And, uh, and so, except that on our side, it's for the origin packager side. And then what we added to this uh, cluster architecture is what we call the embedded distributed storage. So EDS, where instead of having a shared storage in the middle that could be a NAS or similar, we distributed the storage across each uh, origin server in this cluster architecture. And the total storage available for recording is actually the sum of each of the server, of each capacity of the servers that are implemented in this cluster architecture. So uh, this actually allow very easy uh, scalability in terms of um, either way streaming capabilities or storage capabilities, because every time you want to increase streaming and storage, you will add one server in the, in the, in the cluster and will at the same time gain some storage, gain some streaming capacity and, and some performance because by adding more disk, you gain overall IOPS capabilities on the cluster. So that's, um, yeah, that's, that's one of the benefits. The other one is the erasure coding, but I will, I will let uh, Wally talk about that because we are using a similar technology uh, in order to make sure that we are not going to lose any content whenever we distribute this content across multiple servers. And the last maybe aspect that is important is that we also implemented a side of erasure coding. We also implemented this kind of dual site architecture that I mentioned before uh, for, for this uh, customer in Switzerland, where we can basically fully replicate the content between the main and backup sites. And we can actually also stream, this is fully synchronized. So we can actually stream the content from main or backup site in a totally transparent way for the end user. Uh, part of the chunks can come from one side or from the other side in a transparent way. And this has actually also a, a very low footprint because it's hyper-convergent. So it's, it's mixing uh, processing and storage. So in terms of uh, density, it's a very dense solution. So this has also been deployed by uh, most of our customers today. Next slide, Andy. And the, the, the last slide of this uh, technical aspect is what I was mentioning before, going a bit more in detail regarding multi-tier storage. So multi-tier storage relies actually on the same uh, technology I just mentioned, like EDS for the, the let's say, the hot content, time shift, start over, catch up, and somehow the cloud DVR um, shared copy uh, when it's not too old, after like 15 days or 30 days of recording. And then we can add a, a third tier of storage, which is either way for the long tail on cloud DVR shared copy, or for private copy archiving, if you want to keep a private copy per user, uh, that will take a lot of space, but that will not necessarily uh, generate a lot of uh, IOPS. So this, uh, let's say, structure is what we found to be the best to answer to the customer expectation that need both the performance, delivery of storage performance to have the perfect quality of experience and storage scalability at a reasonable cost 
uh, in order to uh, provide either way, uh, well, lifelong Cloud DVR or private copy Cloud DVR or just uh, extended Cloud DVR services. So that's, uh, that's let's say, uh, it for the this introduction. And then, uh, Wally, I will let you uh, dig a bit further in this third tier of storage and, uh, and how this can scale and how we, this can be made uh, available, whatever happened. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, so now I'll talk about Scality Ring. Again, Ring is the name of our product. Um, so we really do support unlimited data growth and we are always available, as I mentioned during the, the introduction, and I can't really stress this enough. Um, your data will always grow, and there's an interesting question about that, about sustainability that Alex, maybe you and I could talk to at the end of the, the presentation. But uh, what we've seen is certainly for our customers, their data is always growing, and yet their applications are mission crit critical, and they can't afford to take those applications offline while they, they, they expand. Um, we can scale out to hundreds of pet petabytes and trillions of objects. Um, I think our largest customer today is, has 220 billion uh, objects in their system. Um, and we don't know what the, the, the theoretical limit actually is. Uh, we support a number of the popular messaging apps that are in the service provider world, as well as your, your cloud nat native apps over a RESTful cloud storage, as well as the Amazon S3 API. As I mentioned in my company introduction, we can support multiple workloads and use cases with a single ring. So you don't have to have disparate storage silos that uh, increase your operational and management costs. It's very easy to provision storage and manage users if you need to do a white labeled multi-tenant system uh, as a service provider. And last but not least, for those of you who are familiar with the Amazon model, we're completely compatible with their, their IAM uh, support for multi-tenant infrastructure for multiple customers. Okay. Uh, next slide, please. So to Alex's point, I'll spend a few slides talking about the various levels of data protection that Ring can offer, including uh, erasure code coding, which is a fairly standard industry thing, but I'll spend a couple of minutes just explaining. So the first way we do data protection is, is simple replication or, or having multiple copies of an object. It's completely configurable, uh, but by default, anything less than 60K is replicated um, and anything above that is erasure coded or any given application, we can, we can change that to optimize performance. Um, and we simply put multiple copies on different servers within the, the, the scality ring, okay? The next slide please talks about uh, erasure coding. Uh, and for those of you who aren't familiar with erasure coding, it's basically the process of breaking something up into multiple chunks and then adding a couple of additional chunks on top of that that are aware of the original chunks. <laughs> and then you spread those chunks out across your distributed architecture. And if you lose a part of that ar architecture, a hard drive or, or a server, you have enough of the remaining erasure coded chunks distributed that you can rebuild that, that data set. Uh, it's a very common thing that most storage providers do Clearly, it's something that ATEM has also built into uh, your architecture. Uh, Alex, we didn't rehearse this question, but is there anything that you want to add at this point just about ATEM's erasure coding that might be, be relevant? No, I, th I mean, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's the same concept <laughs> somehow. <laughs> and, and I would say at the cluster level on the origin, this allows you to lose potentially one or even two servers in a cluster without any impact on the service. So you can lose two, two servers in your clusters 
you will still have the same, I mean, all content will be available for either way delivery or on the storage. And you can then add back, uh, I mean, servers repaired or up and running, and we'll be able to rebuild somehow the what was lost on the on the two servers that, that went down. So it's really uh, this plus, and this is, I think, your, your next aspect, but plus the multi-site uh, really provide 100% uh, availability, whatever happens. Uh, that is a great segue. So the multi-site slide talks about the three different ways that we can configure um, data distribution. So obviously you can have a single ring on a single site. You can have mirrored or replicated rings across two sites. But then what's interesting is you can actually have what we call a stretched ring, which to the application looks like a single ring, but data is automatically distributed via erasure coding across three or more sites. So this would allow you within, and you, there are some network sensitivity issues here. So you wouldn't do this, you wouldn't have a stretched ring from example, California to New York, but within New York City, if you had different um, data centers that were uh, relatively close to each other, uh, you can have a stretched ring. And that actually allows you to survive the loss of an entire site. So scaling ring can protect you against the loss of a disk, the loss of multiple servers, as well as the loss of an entire site. Do you, maybe one, sorry, one question. Do, do you have, do you know the percentage of your customers that will go for the mirror option versus the stretch ring option or? Yeah, um, the majority of our customers, uh, it's, it's not the, a huge number, but it's, it's over 50% do deploy stretched. And actually okay. that's, that's a higher percentage in Europe who seem to like to adopt the, the stretched ring. Okay. Uh, we do have a few customers who, who, are, who are doing single site, but the majority do have mirrored or stretched. Okay. And the next slide talks about the point I've made a few times that you can have a single ring in any of the architectures I just talked about that supports many different use cases simultaneously. So this is a slide that um, shows a subset of the almost 100 third-party applications that we've done testing with. Clearly in the media and entertainment uh, pillar on the far right, you see a TEM, the, uh, one of our premier partners there. Um, but we, a backup and archive is a huge use case for us uh, within the uh, medical imaging space. A number of those vendors use Scality Ring in a very similar way to the way ATEM uses us. Uh, they have tier one storage that they use to, to process the images, but then they use Scality Ring as the long-term re retention. Uh, and then big data on the far left is one of our most rapidly emerging use cases, and again, Products like Splunk have their specialized tier one storage, but then offload the um, archive and cold data to Scaling Ring. I don't know if I have any additional slides. I forget. I yeah, yeah. The, la the last part, maybe next slide, Andy. Ah, okay, perfect. So now we're talking a little bit about what's next. You know, I think this is here today for some customers. Uh, but more of a future vision for others. So back in 2017, you know, obviously Scality thinks Ring is great and we have a number of customers who, for whatever reason, security, privacy, performance, regulations, are going to keep some or all of their data on-prem under their full control. But the public cloud offers so many interesting options. Um, and by public cloud, I mean you know, the, the big three and, and their, their brethren, but Azure, Amazon, and, and Google. 
And I don't know for this audience what you've found, um, but I would assume some of your customers want to use your services, but would also like to see you integrate with and offer them the ability to maybe get some of the big three public cloud services as part of yours. And we actually built in multi-cloud data control into the ring. So we have service provider customers who are using us to provide basic storage services like you know, backup as a service, archive as a service. Clearly we have customers who are doing media content delivery as we discussed today. But we also have customers who are doing that and then offering their end user customers the ability to store some of that data in the public cloud. And they might do that uh, for the additional security of an added copy. They might do it for the super low cost long-term archive services of, of like an Amazon Glacier. Uh, or they may just push a subset of the data up to one of the big public clouds to use one of their uh, machine learning or artificial intelligence services. So we actually have a car company in Europe who's a customer of Scality. They have all of their data for their autonomous car um, organization in the Scality ring on-prem. But when it comes time to do simulations to see if they've designed the car right and it's gonna survive driving up a snowy hill at night, they do all of that simulations, up, uh, all of those simulations up in the public cloud. So next slide, I think. Maybe Andy, you can launch the, the poll. I think we had a poll that was- I will do that. I'm just gonna ask that. Let's see here. Okay, it's launched. We'll give it a, a minute and then uh, we'll share the results. Maybe as people are answering that, uh, we did see the, uh, there's a question in Q and A. Um, from Simon. Yeah, the, the, the green question, I was gonna bring that up. <laughs> yeah, so um, so I think the, the, the question is, um, what is the industry doing to optimize resources to be more environmentally friendly rather than just charging for more and more storage and compute that takes up more and more power and, and hardware? Um, certainly I can talk a little bit about that. Uh, every year, our big hardware partners, HPE, Cisco, Lenovo, those folks, come out with more efficient, faster, denser servers. Um, so 10 years ago, if you wanted a petabyte of storage, you probably needed a dozen servers. Uh, today, you can get a petabyte of storage in a single um, box. So we've, we are evolving our software over time to take advantage of that more advanced uh, hardware. And as you've heard me say a couple times before, you can swap out the old, maybe less efficient hardware from your scalability ring while pushing in the new, more advanced hardware without taking the system offline. So uh, Simon, in some way that would allow our customers to, to become more sustainable over time as the platforms on which we run become more sustainable. Alex, I think you mentioned a few things on, on, on one of your slides. Hey, you want to add anything, Alex? You sort of mentioned EDS yeah. being low footprint. Yeah, what, what I was mentioning is that, uh, well, as, I mean, let's say from a technical point of view uh, regarding the, the hardware environment and so on, we optimize as much as we can based on hyperconvergence and so on, the, the footprint of the solution, which means also the power consumption and, and so on. So that's one aspect. From, a, a, let's say, a software aspect, we try really to um, uh, optimize, as I mentioned, uh, how to use uh, the minimum amount of space we need to provide the same type of service, Cloud DVR service to the end users, aside of the regulations or the restrictions around private copy and so on, because obviously this kind of restriction uh, doesn't help to save storage, uh, but let's say fitting within the, a, a given legal environment, 
we do the maximum we can to optimize and to make sure that uh, the minimum amount of storage will be um, will be uh, will be used uh, to to provide uh, the the quality of service expected by the end user. So, so but that's a yeah that's a good question. I'll, sh I'll share the poll results here. And I don't think there'd be any, any surprise there. Public cloud or hybrid, private, public, certainly uh, a dominant choice here for a lot of our attendees. I don't know if you guys have any comments on that or want to add to that. Uh, I, I think it's uh, from my side, I would say it's, it's, it's kind of expected. We are, we are all, I mean, we all know that somehow there is this trend to move to the cloud in general. Um, there are also some, uh, what, what we have seen is that, uh, I mean, this kind of multi-tier approach, I think it's, 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 it's kind of the same on scality and, and uh, at M side, but is a way to somehow take the best of both worlds. Uh, on one side, having a high performance uh, because you need to deliver, you need somehow the storage to be close to the end users and you need to deliver fast. A, a huge amount of uh, assets uh, that, uh, I mean, different assets, I would say, uh, Cloud DVR, we talk about millions of assets, uh, but you also, uh, you can take advantage of the cloud to easily scale, easily um, uh, secure your content, disaster recovery and so on. So I think the, the hybrid approach is probably a good approach, at least as of today. Uh, moving fully to the cloud is, uh, is, is probably the next step, yes. I don't know, uh, uh, Wally, if you have any comment on that. Um, no, I, I, I think that's right. Those results don't surprise me. Um, I, do, I do think it very much varies by, by region. Um, I think we see greater public cloud adoption maybe in the Americas today than we do in, in Europe, but that, that's certainly uh, changing as the market evolves and matures. Let me uh, throw one more question at you guys. I think it's sort of a consumer-based question. So, you know, as uh, consumers or cloud DVR end users, you know, how do people make sure that the recordings won't be lost uh, in that cloud or lost forever? Well, I believe we, we kind of answered that extensively with the, all the level of, uh, of uh, how to say, um, content uh, securiz securization can provide, I mean, I don't know if it's the right word, but uh, high availability on the content uh, with uh, uh, the erasure coding on one side, uh, the fact that we can uh, replicate the content uh, between multiple sites, uh, combining this on both sides, on Atem side and Scality side. Uh, if you add up to that at some point of time, uh, a cloud, a public cloud level, uh, I mean, it's, it's no, no, no content will ever be lost uh, no recorded content will ever be lost for the end user. I don't know, Wally, if you agree with that, but. Uh... Uh, actually, with a scality ring, we, we offer our customers 14 nines of, of durability, which is pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, very yeah. difficult to, to, to lose data with, with that sort of durability. You're, you're right. It's never 100%, but it's, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So basically all the five nines, right? Yeah. Hey, well, I think we're, we're getting close to the end of the time. So I'll ask if either of you have a final comment or we're all set. Only comment from me is thank you again to Atem for letting us uh, participate and thanks to the audience. Yes, yeah, thank, you very, thank you a lot, Wally. And thanks, uh, Alex. A lot of good information here. I'm sure a lot of people interested. And, yeah, uh, thanks. thanks a lot for the, the audience and the attendees. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, thank you, Wally, for joining us. Thank you.
Now, we are at the end of the 8th podcast. If you would like to find out more, you can go to the atem.com website or follow us on LinkedIn. Next time, we will cover enabling production and distribution everywhere. Don't miss out. <laughs>